Today's different because there's a transition happening in the spiritual realm. There's a transition happening in the kingdom. There's a changing of guard that's happening right now. We can't get away with the life that we used to live the way we lived it anymore because the grace for that season has come to an end. The sand has moved through the hourglass and the last grain passes through the eye of the hourglass right now as I stand before you. We've seen great generals of the faith die within the last several years. Mark this preacher's words. We will see some other generals pass away very, very soon because there's a changing of the guard that's happening in the spiritual realm. There are people who have been playing church. They've been going through the motions. There's been people who want to hear motivational speaking. There's people who want pastors to become gurus. But I'm not a guru. I'm a man of God. There's pastors that want to come and they want to preach a message about relationships and marriage and the power of positive thinking. But we serve a supernatural God and positivity won't get you out of the parking lot. But the power of God will get you to your destiny. And so here's the thing. There's two kinds of churches, the seeker sensitive churches and the supernatural churches. I did not read all 66 canonized books of the Bible for the last 32 years of my life. And I'm older than that. I started reading it when I was a child. I did not learn the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, historic, and authorial intention of this book to sacrifice the supernatural for the superficial. This is not a coloring book. This is not a moral story. This is the breath of God on paper. I did not come to play games. I didn't give up my house, home, retirement, and family to have a seeker-sensitive church that makes you feel good in all of your despair and bondage. I don't want a feeling. I want freedom. And you got seeker-sensitive churches that have built into the thousands by making you feel good, but there's no transformation. Transformation doesn't come from information, homie. Transformation comes only by the blood of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because all of the gurus and all of the self-help people want me to dispense information, but one drop of the blood will change you. I got to say that. I know this is a heavy sermon, and for the visitors, you're like, wow. But you know what? Here's the thing I'm sick and tired of. And I'm going to get into the scriptures because I'm telling you, I'm speaking prophetically. There is a changing of the guard that's happening. And these seeker-sensitive churches have now emerged as the greatest enemy to what God is trying to do in the earth. Because they've tried to convince you that you need a program, that you just need another program. They've These seeker-sensitive churches have convinced you that you need another event to go to. We don't need events. We need to get down on our knees and learn how to pray again. The Bible says, my house will be a house of prayer and we've made it into a house of programs. I'm sorry, but a program can't save your marriage. If you try to replace prayer with a program, you're still going to lose your marriage. If you still, if you try to replace, oh, if I could just get my kids in a program. No, get your kids into the presence of God and that'll do what a program can never do. And then we've got to the point where we want more, 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 more events, more programs, more conferences and the Holy Spirit is crying out more more prayer, more devotion, more. I, I told you this series is called Supernatural. 
And I am so sick and tired of people saying, well, V1 Church is controversial. No, it's not. It's biblical. Jesus was controversial. Everywhere Jesus preached, demons cried out. Preacher, pastor watching right now, can I tell you, if you've had a 30-year career preaching the gospel and not one demon has cried out, it's because your sermons have comforted the devil, not confronted the devil. When you confront the devil, he'll cry out, why are you tormenting me? But you got preachers tickling the devil like Elmo instead of confronting the devil. The Bible talks about this change that will happen. It talks about a transition in society on a global scale. It talks about how there'll be a tipping point where everything begins to change. I believe that we are in that season right now. I'm not fear-mongering. Matter of fact, I've not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I am simply trying to tell you that my obligation is to discern the signs and the seasons and the times and then begin to lead the people of God according to what I've been shown by God concerning times and seasons. And, and I, this is a clarion call. The Lord told me, Mike, this Sunday, I am giving you a trumpet in the spirit realm. And you are going to blow that trumpet. And this is going to be a clarion call that I send around the world to wake my people up. And the reason why I say that is if you want, this is what people want this book to do. They want this book to sit next to all their other self-help books. This, they, they, want, they want the pastor to get up and they want the pastor to delete everything supernatural out of this book so that it just doesn't offend their friends and offend their family. But I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, this is highly offensive. As a matter of fact, it is highly controversial. And so here's the thing. I would rather come before you and give you the whole Bible than when I stand before God. I say, God, I never took a pocket knife to scripture and carved out all of the things that the people in the 21st century didn't like. I gave them the whole word and then he tells me, welcome in good and faithful servant. And so I don't want to be a good and popular preacher. I want to be a good and faithful sermon because you can get real popular telling people what they want to hear, but I don't want to be popular. I want to be a telling you what this says because some of these seeker sensitive churches are getting short-term results that are fooling the people to think God's in it but the devil says I got you because it's a form of godliness denying the power thereof y'all I don't even care today <laughs> I gotta say this because next Sunday we are going to fill up seven services across three physical campuses. And then we've had venues that have been secured in Canada. Yeah, we secured a venue in Canada for next week. We secured a venue in California, in Bakersfield, California. And we also secured a venue in Miami, Florida. And so what does that bring us to? Six campuses, 10 services. But you got churches that don't believe in deliverance. Well, that's ironic. You serve the deliverer. You got churches that don't believe in supernatural healing. Well, that's ironic. You, you claim to serve the healer. 
And so what's happened is we've gotten so far away from biblical Christianity that when you do what Jesus told us to do, you will look crazy to your friends who are even hardcore Christians. But I've come to realize they're not hardcore Christians that because Christian means Christ-like. <laughs> oh, y'all aren't ready for that. Christian means Christ-like. And when we've said that, we've always meant an attitude and a behavior, but not an action. I'm a Christian. Okay, when's the last time you cast out a demon? Because to be Christ-like is not attitudes and behaviors, it's actions. Okay, I'm a Christian. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody and saw them healed? It's not just being nice. Everybody thinks being a Christian means being nice. Matter of fact, Christians aren't nice. We're powerful. We're confrontational. And sometimes the nicest thing you can do is confront somebody and say the way that you're living your life is gonna lead to hell and destruction. I love you more than your friends because I'm not gonna pour you another drink. I'm about to pour the power of God. That's what being a Christian means. And then some of you are like, but Pastor Mike, we can't do that. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm not like you, Pastor Mike. I didn't go to Bible college. Did you know there were no Bible colleges when Jesus was on the planet? Did you know that there was no seminary to go to when Jesus was on the planet? Did you know that there was nowhere to get a degree and a licensure to do ministry when Jesus was on the planet? You tell me, Peter, Paul, Silas, you tell me the early church, where's their seminary degree? They they had a yes, Pastor Patrick, and that yes was enough for God. God doesn't wait for you to be qualified. He qualifies the unqualified. All you got to do is say yes. What if you went down the street to the college here and showed up to the admissions office and said, I decided today I want to be a student. I give you my yes. And before you ever pay the bill, they say your whole tuition has been paid and I'm going to print your degree and you can walk out with it. That's the same as the kingdom of heaven. He says the Holy Spirit will impart to you the fullness of the kingdom. Revelation, wisdom, knowledge, understanding will be imparted to you. He says he'll take the foolish things of the world and make them wise. It means that you're not a preacher, but the second you say yes, you are endowed with the supernatural ability to preach. And so everywhere else in life, you got to learn how to do something. You don't learn it. You don't earn it. You activate it and you move in it. So to be Christian, to be Christ-like... It's completely different than the world. But if you come to church and you're like, I love it when Mike and Julie talk about marriage. I love it when Mike talks about leadership. Oh, I know I'm speaking to some, but I can't stand when they talk about demons. I can't, oh. I can't stand when they talk about the supernatural. Well, then you don't understand why I still have a marriage. Hey, you don't understand why I'm a leader. You think, okay, when, okay, I've been in John Maxwell's house, Herman. I peed in his toilet too. <laughs> Ask John Maxwell where he learned to be a leader. You're not gonna like the answer because it's supernatural. And I'm the one that looks crazy. See, first you look crazy and then everybody wants to buy your books. First you look crazy and then everybody wants the house you have. First you look crazy, and then you're emulated. Why am I preaching like this? Because he's the best-selling leadership author on the planet. 
And when I asked him where he learned it, he learned it the same place as I've learned everything that we've got right now. Three locations, fastest growing church in America, three years in a row, number one overall in a region that everybody here, even the Christians, told me was the graveyard of church. Isn't that funny? Jesus had to have angels supernaturally roll away the stone, but then you got pastors who will call where God called them to be a graveyard? How stupid. Why do I say this? There's a changing of the guard. You cannot have the results of the supernatural without operating in the supernatural anymore. You can't say, I want the kind of marriage Mike and Julie has, but I don't want to confront devils. I don't want to pray. I don't want to get into the word. You can't say, I want the success that Mike's having that different people in the church are having. Come on, Pastor Patrick, where'd you learn it? (laughs) We've got serial entrepreneurs in this place. We've got people with fruit that remains. But if I told you the way that they've obtained the promise of God, you're not going to like it. Your friends are going to call you crazy. When I talked to John Maxwell, you know what he told me? I said, John, you're going to think that I'm a weirdo if you watch my live streams because people are getting delivered and healed. He goes, no, not only do I not think you're weird, but I actually fly on my private jet intercessors into the countries that I speak at before I get there to confront the demonic. Okay, thanks, John. Why do I tell you that? Because what if I told you you're the only Christian not confronting the demonic? What if I told you that there's more of us that are rising up, breakers, 1,800, how many was it, Randall? 1,854 people live being trained in supernatural ministry Friday night, and over 4,000 from around the world signed up to learn that. As a matter of fact, I preached my first message to all of the breakers we're raising up both in this church and around the world. There's over 4,000 of them signed up. If you're in the Facebook group, you can see it going absolutely bananas right now with people. But I did the seven common objections to why healing and deliverance and prophecy don't happen today the seven common objections, and then the biblical response to them. I dare you to go watch it on my YouTube channel. Here's what's funny. There were three medically verifiable miracles that happened while I was live. And I didn't even plan on that to happen. But it was like, man, how do you like me? I feel like God had one of those. How do you like me now? And matter of fact, when you go search that term on YouTube, in one day, it outranked every single pastor's video that said God doesn't do miracles and prophecy and tongues and deliverance has ceased today. And it's the number one ranked video in that category. And when I looked at it, I said, this is the changing of the guard. The changing of the guard. Matter of fact, how long can your friends tell you that, oh, you make everything a devil before they realize that they're bound by the devil? How long is it going to take for them to understand that that is the problem in their life is that they are in a spiritual battle getting whooped by an enemy that they keep convincing themselves doesn't exist? This is like the grand finale of this series, Supernatural. Because the seeker-friendly church will make you so comfortable that it will lull you into a spiritual death. And then you're going to have this spiritual experience called death, the real one. And you're going to stand before God. You're going to see angels covered completely in eyeballs. 
I mean, when you read the descriptions of angels in scripture, they're horrifying. (laughs) And you're going to see seraphim and all these creatures surrounding the throne of God. And then you're going to realize how foolishly you lived your life looking through natural carnal eyes. And you're going to say, wait a second, it's more real than what I ever encountered on earth. But here's the thing. I don't, I can't make you believe what I just said. And I think there's coming a time, and this is a warning, where you are going to have to finally make a decision what you believe. I've made my mind up. I believe in heaven, and I believe in hell. I believe in God, and I believe in Lucifer, the fallen angel, Satan. I believe that there are minions called demons, disembodied personalities. Why? Because I've talked to them and they've talked to me. Because I've been in other countries. I've had people get delivered and begin to speak in German and other languages. I've had too many experiences now. And I think the greatest conspiracy is not governmental. It's a kingdom conspiracy where the, where the kingdom of darkness has veiled your eyes so that you think so much through a scientific lens that you don't honor the God who created science. You think you're doing something fancy when you tell God back how he designed things? You think he's impressed by your finite understanding of what he made? He's not looking for you to understand. He's looking for you to submit, to say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Because all of those who don't understand the supernatural, but claim to be Christians are not Christ-like. Come on, you can Instagram that if you want. All those, they don't want anything to do with the supernatural, but they claim to be Christ-like. They're not Christ-like at all. Because Christ lived and breathed and moved in the spiritual, supernatural dimension. He woke up early, separated himself from his friends, separated himself from his family, and he prayed for hours. He arose from that place of prayer, and all day, the Bible records, his day was filled with supernatural experiences. And some of you right now, the naysayers might be like, but that was Jesus, that's not me. Well, they, that, that further explains your lack of understanding of rabbinical lineage. A rabbi always created a rabbi that created a rabbi that created a rabbi. As a matter of fact, your destiny is not to be a student. It's to be a rabbi. As a matter of fact, the only reason why you learn, the Bible says, don't be hearers of the word, but doers also. Jesus said, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and you will do greater things. So Jesus' expectation was not that miracles would cease. It's that they would multiply. Jesus' expectation is not that the supernatural would only prove him for a season, but it would actually continue through every season. See, what Jesus was doing was multiplying himself and come follow me is not just stay behind me forever. It's actually the opposite of that. If you go to the nation of Israel right now and join their military, if as you increase in rank, you actually move to the front of the line. And so the generals in the nation of Israel right now in 2022, they're on the front lines fighting in the battle. They have this statement in Israel. They actually say, if you can't read my insignia and you can't read my name, I'm out of position. They said the Americans have their names on the front. We have them on the back. So if I'm your general, I'm stepping up to the front. 
What happens when you say yes to Jesus is you start all the way in the back. But as you increase in maturity and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the supernatural, you better be graduating up to the front of the line. And then you have on the back of your helmet, it says general in the faith. It says man or woman of God. You shouldn't be staying in your pull-ups and your diapers for too much longer. Come on. It's okay to have pull-ups when you're two years old. But when you're wearing pull-ups when you're 20 years old, it's because you're diseased. Some of you are diseased by doubt. Some of you are diseased by fear. Some of you are diseased by the spirit of religion. The only people who wear diapers over the age of three have something wrong with them. Why are you still pulling your pull-ups? You should be operating in the supernatural. I want you to look at your hands right now. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to do it. He said, I'm going to empower you to do it through your hands. Does anybody believe that? I'm going to show you in scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says there's going to be these people. They're arrogant, prideful, boastful. It says that they're going to be these people, and towards the end of the age, they're going to have all kinds of opinions. Hey, come on, doesn't it sound familiar? They're not going to want to submit. They're going to want to rebel. But this is the craziest part of it that preachers never preach about. It actually says having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. It doesn't say ignoring its power. It doesn't say not experiencing the power. It says deny. Oh, I feel the anointing on that. The pastors and the preachers in the neighborhoods and the blocks around New York City, Long Island, Northwest Indiana. It's not that they say, well, if God wants to heal, he'll heal. They deny. Well, we need to learn how to accept this disease as God's sovereign will. Well, then why did he bear stripes on his back? Why did the prophet Isaiah said that he was gonna actually take stripes on his back so that I could be healed? Then are you nullifying the sacrifice of the cross by saying he doesn't heal? But it says that he actually, it says they deny its power. You know, there's people that say, well, I think that speaking in tongues could be for today, um, but I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah, you do. It's recorded all through the New Testament scriptures. We know exactly what speaking in tongues looks like. It's an intellectual cop-out, and either you believe it or you don't believe it. Get off the fence, Christian. Get off the fence, pastor. Get off the fence, preacher. Either speaking in tongues is real and for today, and you do do it or you don't do it. Because when I read the scriptures, it says you should earnestly and eagerly desire to speak in tongues. It says you should eagerly desire to prophesy. If you go to a church where prophecy isn't happening, run out of that church as fast as you can. Because wherever prophecy is not happening, something's happening, someone's opinion is. And what pastors want you to learn is their opinion more than prophecy. And it's not that I trust you to prophesy. It's that I trust the Holy Ghost on the inside of you to prophesy. The same Holy Spirit that taught me how to prophesy. The same Holy Spirit that molded me and shaped me and fashioned me. If you're a blue-collar worker, beating up your hands and your back all day, nailing things into the ground, building structures, but you don't have the gift of tongues, you're missing out on a power source better than caffeine, better than a cigarette, you're missing out Homeboy, you start speaking in tongues and you'll realize greater he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? Homeboy, you start speaking in tongues on the job and you'll forget how frustrated you are at the people around you. We have spiritual weapons that are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and we try to give people a mindset without giving them a renewed mind. <laughs> 
I'm sick and tired of it. The preaching from our pulpits has deleted the all of the supernatural out of the Bible. And we're trying to coach you through a mindset, but not giving you a renewed mind. It doesn't make sense. Why do you think our men are leaving churches in America? Because we haven't taught them that you are a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience, but when your body, which is just a shell, when it dies and rots in that grave, there's gonna be an eternal part of you, and either you learned how to commit and submit to the God that breathed that spirit into that body, or you didn't. It's that simple. Matter of fact, God is a supernatural God with unlimited matchless supernatural power who demands supernatural worship. There's no other way. I'm telling you, the door to freedom is opening up right now and you're peeking your head in. Why do you think new age is growing and not atheism right now? Because we know the spiritual realm's real. We're not dumb anymore. I think the lowest uh, form of, uh, of the intellectual wrestling we've had in this country manifested in the form of atheism. Matter of fact, I can tell we're evolving and becoming more intelligent because atheism is on the decline and spiritual but not religious is on the incline because we know the spiritual realm's real. Next week, I'm going to cast demons out of thousands of people around the world across uh, six locations, and I'm going to have pastors who gossip about me all day long. I'm going to have former congregation members that used to go here that want me to play patty cake with them and give them a bedtime Bible story instead of the whole Bible gossip about me all day. But then I'm going to come before the Father, and I'm going to say, Jesus, was I like you? Because you cast demons out. Jesus, was I like you? Because you prayed for the, hit, the sick and seen them healed. Jesus, was I like you? That's the question. And then he's going to say, yes, Mike. Well, not, not completely. <laughs> but you got close. Because <laughs> we're never going to enter perfection. But there's a difference between what I'm seeing in the world. It's this, I, I think the greatest sham. I want to look at some more scriptures. Because the greatest sham is that you've never been told these things. Because our pastors are narcissistic control freaks that like these nice 70-minute services. Get in and get out. And they've made church into a factory because of this post-industrialized mindset of we've got to give them coffee and treats and comfortable seats. And then we've got to give them a 70-minute service and get them out there because you know they're going to start getting hungry because they're so glucose dependent as a result of the American diet that they can't go more than four hours without food, let alone fast. But Jesus didn't say if you fast, he said when, but we don't even fast in our churches anymore. But then we call ourselves Christian, but there's nothing about our life that's Christ-like. And so don't ever be mad at me for being the pastor that tried his hardest to make you like Jesus. Because I don't care about your money. I don't care about your attendance. Matter of fact, you can't even determine how effective you're being by how big your church is because there's some fake churches that have gotten really big. But I will tell you this. All I'm telling you is I actually read the Bible over and over and over again. And every time I read it, the Bible doesn't change, I change. And there's these fools in the pulpit who keep trying to change the Bible instead of being changed by the Bible. 
If people say, well, V1's not like it used to be, good. We should be going from glory to glory to glory to glory. If it was, listen, what it was, I was on a certain part of my journey, but I should be going deeper every single time I take another lap through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Roman. It's me that's being changed. And there's some things you read in there that you say, I cannot remedy this other than changing and submitting. Let me give you freedom. This is encouraging, I promise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's 2022, it's 2,000 years later. Did Je- Let me ask you a question, did Jesus change? <laughs> According to Hebrews, did Jesus change? Jesus was the same, he's the same. So the heart of Jesus still wants to see people delivered from demons, still wants to see them healed, still wants them speaking in tongues. Matter of fact, did you know this? It was Jesus who said, don't leave Jerusalem. Go to the upper room. He said, tarry and wait and pray. And then what will happen is when you are in one mind and one accord, the Holy Spirit, the promise will come. And when the Holy Spirit came, they begin to speak in new tongues. So it was Jesus' idea. So when you say, I don't know how I feel about speaking in tongues, you're saying, I don't know how I feel about what Jesus wants for believers. It doesn't make sense. But let me tell you why you've been preached out of it in most of your churches because the pastor's scared. Fear of man, fear of man. Well, what if they hear me speaking in tongues and they think it's gibberish? Yeah, but every single baby starts with gibberish and graduates to full sentences. Why would you ever silence a child because it's gibberish? Or do you actually continue to commune with that child until full-blown sentences come out? And so here's the thing, all throughout scripture, we're never told to cease speaking in tongues, but simply the apostles put administration to it and they trained it. So you don't stop doing it, you train it. Can I get an amen? Prophecy, we, never, we, we were never told to stop prophesying. It just simply said, train the prophecy develop the prophecy. It just needs training. As a matter of fact, there were people casting out demons the wrong way in Acts chapter 19. And they they weren't even told to stop doing it if you read the text. It was just that the demons beat them up so bad they learned their lesson. And so in the early church, they weren't control freaks. They, but they knew, they said, we're not going to tell you not to do deliverance. Just know if you do it without having a pastor and spiritual authority above you, those demons are going to end up whooping your butt. So, but, but here's the thing. It's so crazy to me, Herman, that we've got so many churches that don't do any of the things that Jesus does. And they say, well, Jesus fed the 5,000. So we feed people. Well, congratulations. They're going to be hungry six hours later. Why did Jesus feed them? To tell them a supernatural sermon. The things he said in the sermon when he had their attention was crazy. And so when you feed people as your church, do you get them all together and preach a supernatural sermon? Matter of fact, if I fed all, we feed over 500 families a month. Did you guys know that? Your, Your money, the tithe, the offerings, the teams that come together. But if I were to even say, yeah, to get your food, I want you to all be seated so I could preach a sermon. You know what people would say about me? They would be like, I can't believe he's using that, their captive attention and giving them food. What a manipulator. But Jesus did it. 
And we don't do that, by the way, so don't blog about me. But my point is, we've come so far from the supernatural that what happens is we become a critic of the very thing that God is going to use to get us to the next level. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me just help you understand. I believe in counseling and Christian therapy. The health that you see in my life and my marriage is partly the result of Christian biblical-based therapy and counseling. I am endorsing from the pulpit right now in front of every single one of you Christian therapy and counseling. Can we all say amen? But you cannot counsel a demon. Yes to Christian therapy and yes to deliverance. Those are not binary. Yes to both. Mary Magdalene, many of you who are raised Catholic, you know Mary Magdalene. Many of you raised in other churches. Do you know she had seven demons when Jesus met her? I don't know how much therapy and Christian counseling she needed. I'm sure she needed some, but she also needed deliverance. Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, and then upon the resurrection, she becomes the first female evangelist. You cannot counsel a demon. It's both, not one or the other. I want to tell you, we have people from the medical community that love our church. Evelyn Roman went viral because Kanye West shared her praying in a hospital on the floor. If you saw that footage that went to over 50 million views on my Facebook page alone. We believe in the power of prayer as a medical community. Doctors and surgeons attend this church. I say yes to medical interventions. I say yes to medicine. Luke was a physician. Matter of fact, Paul tells Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach. He was giving him a medicinal, matter of fact, he didn't even say pray for your stomach because you have an upset stomach. He actually said, drink a little wine because your stomach is upset. He prescribed him, the apostle Paul prescribed him. Somebody's like, oh snaps, we can drink wine now. That was what they had available in their time. But are you guys following me? In the New Testament, it wasn't all supernatural. He, he gave him a medicinal prescription for his stomach. But the problem I have is according to most Christians, nothing is supernatural. And so we honor the medical community, but also we believe in supernatural healing. And I am never gonna back down from that. And I'm always gonna pray. I'll never forget Evan Wilson was on stage in the movie theater and he was praying for people to be healed in their back and a surgeon's back was healed in that service. God will do it. You cannot cure a demon. There are spirits of infirmity. There was a woman, the Bible said almost two decades, she was like this. Jesus did not walk up to this woman and say, I feel so sorry for you. I need you to go do a chiropractic. We need to do physical therapy. He said, spirit of infirmity, loose her and come out. And the woman instantly stood up straight. Now, is that the is every back problem a demon? No, of course we apply wisdom, but you can't call it wisdom if it's never a demon. Are you following me? You can only expel demons. Habakkuk chapter three, verse four. This is a description of God. Would you stand to your feet with me for a second? It says, his brightness was like the light rays flashed from his hands and there he veiled his power. 
Habakkuk chapter three, verse four says that from God's hand actually was light and that God veiled his power in his hand. Hand always represents authority. Hand always represents power. Jesus placed his hand on people and they were healed. He placed his hand on people and demons came out. And then in the New Testament, he tells his believers, by the laying on of hands, when you're sick, go to the elders of the church. They will anoint you with oil and lay hands on you. Why? Because hands represent authority. Hands represent the ability to act. Some of you have only used your hands to sin, but you're about to use your hands for the supernatural. David said, you teach my fingers to fight and my hands to war. There was something when David played the guitar, he was learning how to do spiritual warfare. Saul had problems with demons and he began to play his guitar in the temple and the demons would leave because David said you teach my fingers to fight and my hands to war somebody right now is about to receive the supernatural authority from God through their hands your hands your hands some of you are going to place your hands on your children and the supernatural is going to take place they're going to be healed and delivered and set free some of you husbands are going to put your hand on your wife and you're going to begin to pray for your wife and your wife's going to begin to cry and depression's going to break off your wife. Suicide's going to break off your wife in your hands because Habakkuk says he had light veiled in his hands and you are to be like God. He has actually anointed you to do what he does. He's given you authority. There is no excuse. Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 says when Abram was 99 years old the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him I am God almighty walk before me and be blameless he said I am God almighty that is a conjunction that means might all might not some not a little almighty all somebody say all He's all-powerful. He's all-sufficient. The secret I want to tell you about the supernatural, because I'm going to pray for impartation, is the bigger your problem, the bigger God becomes. God actually increases in the ways that you need Him through every season. The bigger the debt, the bigger your God to cancel that debt. Oh, somebody don't hear me preaching today. The bigger the sickness, the bigger your God becomes to conquer that sickness. No matter how impossible it seems, God increases to the side. The bigger the mountain, the bigger the God to move that mountain. Does anybody serve an almighty God like Abraham? Almighty God, almighty God, almighty God. This has been the last and final sermon in this series, Supernatural. I'm try- Listen, I tried to rock you off of demonic doctrines. I've tried to get, I, listen, I tried to mess your whole life up today. But if you think for a second that I'm up here because I'm the best speaker, if you think I'm up here because of my intelligence or lack thereof, if you think that I'm up here because of who I know, 
I'm here to tell you that I was raised in a trailer park in a lowly place with a single mother. I'm, I'm just trying to help you understand. Somebody still doesn't get it. This is, I, give me 30 more. Can I have 30 more seconds? Some of you still don't get it. Jesus said, you will do greater works than me. He told that to the plumbers. He told that to the carpenters. He told that to the nurses and doctors. He told that to the teachers that are teaching in public school. He told that to the accountants. He told that to the mothers raising their children. You will do greater works than the Messiah. I need you to see it. It's going to happen. So, oh, wow. Somebody's starting to believe. I felt faith activated right now. Did you feel that? Somebody just clicked in. I, all I did was say yes. So I want to do this right now. If you want to be a biblical Christian, not a Democrat, not a Republican, not a liberal, a biblical Christian. Oh, somebody, I know I'm offending you right now because you can never hide the cross under the flag. Before you're a United States citizen, you better be a believer. You better be a Christian. I, I'm here to tell you, we've had all these divides. But you know what? Your race is even only temporary. When you die, you'll find out you're a spirit longer than you were that race. And so I'm asking you, your gender, I'm here to tell you, male, female, we get it. But here's the thing. Your identity must be in Christ. It's the most permanent part of you. And either you say yes to that and you give all else up and you say, God, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, just sons and daughters of the King. That's the moment. If you wanna, here's the thing. If you wanna accept Jesus in his power, just lift your hands, even your hands represented through authority right now. Come on. Because I see a whole church praying for each other. I see a whole church praying for each other. I see a whole church prophesying over each other. I see a whole church. You are released. Some of you are being healed from church hurt and church wounds right now under the sound of my voice. I see a whole church preaching. I see a whole church teaching. I see a whole church. I see a whole church preaching. The Lord says to somebody, you will preach. You will preach. I hear the Lord saying somebody you will teach you will prophesy you will be a powerful warrior you will you will preach you will teach somebody's being commissioned with every hand in the air right now let's just pray this together say heavenly father i say yes to your will to your way you have my life wash me by your blood i am yours forevermore Come on, Steph, let's sing this out. Come on, church. That is who you are, God. Come on, worship Him.